0: CPA, CFA, CPIM, CTPRA, CSCP, PMP, ACP. Those aren't a haphazardly assembled collection of mostly consonants. That sampling of alphabet soup is actually an example of some third-party professional certifications. Now you might have seen some of these trailing people's names on LinkedIn, or even thought about pursuing some of these for yourself. In this episode, I'll go in-depth on third-party certifications what they are, what they entail, what they can get you, and ultimately some criteria on how you can think about whether or not they might be right for you and your career journey. Hi everyone, welcome to the Progress Over Perfection coaching podcast. Progress Over Perfection Coaching is a podcast focused on career management and development by offering insight on how to build an intentionally balanced and purpose-filled career. Today we're talking about third-party professional certifications, and because that's a mouthful from here on out, I'll just be calling them certifications. I'll start with talking about what they are, how you can identify if they might be right for you, talk about a few well-known ones that I've had experience with as examples, go through the process and time and cost implications and how they can be put to use in your career journey. Throughout all of this, I'll also try to take a minute at each one of these topics to talk about how you might be able to evaluate if they could be something that could be a use for you in your career. Now, there won't be a right answer, and that can change over time. But like with all things about your career, your changing perspective should not be seen as something negative. You're going to change, and so will what you want out of your career and how you want to go about achieving it. So with that, let's talk Certifications. Most basically, a certification is a designation usually accompanied by an actual certificate of some kind. Historically, these were actual paper certificates, but digital badges are becoming a popular complement, if not a replacement altogether, as they tend to be more cost-effective than printing and mailing something, and it's a lot easier to add a digital badge to your email signature or LinkedIn profile than it is to carry around a framed certification. But what's actually behind the certificate is meant to be the recognition of either an accomplishment or mastery of a body of knowledge. In nearly all cases, a certification culminates with an exam of some sort, and you can include things like multiple choice, or and can include things like multiple choice uh, test questions or an oral component. Ultimately, the exam is meant to be the final component that puts your invested practice, studying, and mastery to the test. Essentially, it proves that you've done the work. But in the same way that a bachelor's or master's degree signifies the accumulation of knowledge over a given subject, a certification is meant to do the same but typically in a more focused and specialized manner. An example of this is the Project Management Professional, or PMP, certification through the Project Management Institute, or PMI for short. By earning this certification, you can put PMP after your name or list it on your resume, and others will know that you're serious about project management and that you've put in the work to be taken seriously about it. What this certification really saying, through though, is that you have at least a high school diploma, have between at least 36 and 60 months of on-the-job project management experience, have gone through at least 35 hours of formal education from a PMI-approved organization, and have passed a 4-hour, 180-question exam covering the PMBOK, or Project Management Body of Knowledge. It's a lot of heavy lifting for those three letters. In some cases... The list of requirements and prerequisites can be extensive, and that's why I'm hesitant to say that a certification is less of an investment than a degree. In general, I'd say that a certification doesn't replace or supersede a degree, but in some cases the amount of time and effort, and maybe even money, depending on the certification, can rival what might be thought of as more core, formal education. And it certainly holds true that a certification is often incredibly focused on a particular subject or field. In my experience, I tend to think of a degree as the cake and any certifications being the icing, sprinkles, or other elaborate fondant characters that adorn the cake. And don't think that certifications are limited to just businessy sounding professions like project management. Back to the cake analogy I just used, after a brief bit of investigation, I found six different certifications that professional cake decorators can pursue. So there's really something out there for everyone. Now when it comes to the investment required for a certification, there are a few things to consider. There's the actual monetary cost and the time invested, which can constitute the specific time you need to allocate to learning content material and preparing for the eventual and inevitable exam that will typically be the last hurdle before you earn those letters that you can put after your name. Financially speaking, there's a pretty broad range of fees that you can expect depending on the course of the specific uh, certification. To go back to the PMP example through PMI, The associated fees can range between $1,000 and $3,000 for the formal education hours, which also typically includes some form of exam uh, preparation. Then there's the exam fee, which is about $500 at the time of this podcast. Now, you can lower some of those fees if if you're a paying member of PMI. That comes in at about $150 a year, and this membership more than pays for itself in the discounts for the course material and exam fee. And this isn't actually uncommon. Most certifications that are offered by a larger organization have a professional membership. And in all cases that I've been a part of, the membership is always worth it if you're planning to pursue certification if they offer discounts. At least for the years where you might have to pay some kind of certification-related fee. Now, similar organizations have realized that some people, kind of like myself, may just become members for a year or two to get the discounts earn the certification, and then possibly be never, never be heard from again. As such, it's not uncommon to see different tiers of membership with what might have been the previous sole price uh, being a more certification-based tier that offers discounts with a lower price tier that might have maybe a few benefits but without all the discounts to encourage continued membership. This more affordable tier is meant for those that were not the target audience of the certification discount incentives or that might have already earned their certification that they want to keep around as members. This is somewhat tangential to the actual certifications, but another detail that I found to be important when I'm trying to wrap my head around all the or the entire landscape of what it means when trying to become certified. Now, this kind of pricing isn't standard, and in some cases, the total financial cost can get as high as maybe two to five times of what the PMP certification uh, might cost. At this time, there are less expensive certifications as well. It really is going to be dependent on the industry you're looking at, and likely the, the level of exclusivity or prestige that may go along with having a particular designation. In some cases, these total costs may be very low, and while I wouldn't say that necessarily disqualifies a certification as carrying professional weight, I'd be very wary, and I'll get to that in just a minute. The other aspect of investment comes in the form of time investment. Keeping with the PMP example, you'll need at least three years of project management experience on top of a four-year degree, and then also need to spend at least 35 hours sitting for accredited educational content. That does include the time that you should also probably spend studying for the exam, which, for math's sake, could... Uh, could spend at least 10 times that length of the nearly four hour test in preparation. So maybe about 40 hours for total, then there's the actual four hour exam. So to add it all up, you'd be in for about seven years, three days, and seven hours of time you need to spend towards requ- uh, the requirements for the certification. Now, this math is a little extreme in this case, as they require not only a degree, but also years of experience. But this hopefully broadens the scope of what a true time investment for a certification could include as you do your own assessment for yourself. For examples from another field, take professional coaching. There's a classroom or instructional requirement typically, as well as an element of practice and experience. From what I've seen, these typically range from between six months to two years in overall scope and duration, and require that there are a certain number of hours logged actually coaching, which can range from 50 to 100 total hours based on the certification. The requirements can seem pretty overwhelming and complicated, so I won't go into too much more detail, as the point was really to illustrate the scope of different kinds of time-based requirements for some certifications and the fact that they can actually take time, and in some cases, maybe as long as a degree program. Now, this is to say nothing for any other kind of certification in fields like finance or medical professions. And given that anything I could share on that space here would just be a regurgitation of a quick Google search, I'll spare you and stick to examples from what I know a little bit better. So finally, there's usually a degree of continual practice in the field of your certification in the form of recertification. In my experience, certifications need to be renewed every few years, and within those years, there's usually an expectation of demonstrated commitment to the field at hand. For example, back to the PMP, every three years, you need to have accumulated a total of 60 professional development units, or PDUs, across their three talent triangle skill areas. Basically, you need to diversify the way that you're continuing your education. Now, should you fail to complete your PDUs in that time frame, you have one year to complete th- those units, and if you fail to do that, then you'll need to pay for, take, and pass the certification exam again. Now, most certifications I've worked with have very similar policies. Essentially, if you don't keep up with either edu- uh, with educational requirements and likely some kind of fees, then you get a warning, and if you don't take action, then you have to start over from scratch and take all the exams again. Now, it should go without saying that if you do fall outside of good standing, then you also can no longer claim the designations that you earned. So my advice would be that unless you're completely sure that you've wrung out all the value from a certification that you've worked so hard to earn, do all that you can to keep it current. Now, while this might sound extreme, this kind of practice is really meant to ensure that those that earn the certification continue to uphold the reputation that the designation is meant to embody. Which really makes sense, as the quality of a certification is only really as good as those that have earned it and how they show up professionally. So back to the idea of legitimacy of a certification that I touched on just a minute ago with regards to the financial aspect. The same applies with the time that it takes to complete a certification. It's pretty easy to find a course through a site like Udemy, Stack Social, or LinkedIn Learning that you can hammer through in less than an hour. Costs of maybe $10 or less, and walk away with a quote unquote certification that you can post to your feed or claim a digital badge for. Now, I'm in no way trying to discourage any kind of learning or looking for ways to better oneself. Mm -hmm. But in the case of certifications, where one of the objectives is to offer a point of career differentiation, I believe that there has to be some barrier of entry to significantly or to signify the commitment uh, that you've made. To better yourself in this particular field now i don't necessarily think that one of those barriers needs to be financial as it does create an uneven playing field when it comes to the affluence associated with it and the funds that one might have to spend on something like certification but there are also ways to game that system and i'll talk about that in a minute so if you have questions about whether or not a certification is legitimate it wouldn't hurt to do some research ask your colleagues or other professionals in your space or shoot even a quick google search I'm continually surprised at how often the autocomplete bar has, quote unquote, is it legitimate, fill in whenever I'm looking something up, whether it's a certification or not. I'd also highly suggest that if you are considering a certification, you do your research and make sure that you know what you're getting into. Not just from the time and money aspect that it will cost you, but also that it will really help to get you the professional recognition that you're looking for. Speaking of that, let's look at certifications for a minute from the other side of things as an employer or a hiring manager. And there are a couple of things to consider. So what kinds of skills or knowledge are they trying to obtain through a candidate with a specific certification? How or why is this needed? Is it a qualifier for a role or a winner? Put another way, is it something that's required to even earn an interview or maybe a differentiator or a tiebreaker in the event of otherwise equally amazing candidates? This will be entirely dependent on specific hiring managers the needs of the organization or even specific role and intended application of the certified knowledge or skills now speaking of hiring managers a quick pro tip when it comes to certifications don't put them on your resume unless you actually have them now you can roll the dice that your interviewer won't know what they are and Might just be impressed if they see them. But if they do want to know what they are and you get exposed as either not having completed a certification or maybe you just took a class related to it but didn't actually get the certification, then you run the risk of that being the thing that an interviewer remembers about you rather than all the other awesome accomplishments you've achieved throughout your career. Now, really, this point comes back to the basic concept that you shouldn't lie on your resume. Or in the case I'm talking to one of my daughters, you should never lie. But I thought it was worth pointing out because I've caught a few applicants in this situation where maybe they took a class about being a Lean Six Sigma Greenbelt, but didn't actually complete the certification, yet they claim to be certified. In another case, I caught an interviewee claiming that they were certified in product and inventory management or having earned their CPIM when they've only passed one of the five exams required for that certification. Now, this was back when the designation required five exams rather than the current two. But regardless, in both of these specific cases, getting caught on the wrong side of that gamble at making a resume look more impressive than it is, is the only real thing that I can remember about either of those applicants that I ultimately didn't extend a job offer to. Now, that's not to say that all interviewers are going to think like me or take the same stance, but with little to no time to make a positive impression in an interview, I really can't see how taking that risk ends up being worth it. On the flip side of all this, it's entirely possible that a prospective employer may not care about certifications. That may be a little harsh or extreme to say, but just because a certification exists and might be highly regarded in a specific field or industry doesn't mean that they're all viewed equally and highly among all employers or hiring managers. If you're looking for a certification to help advance your career and maybe have your eye on a specific employer for your next best move on your career plan, then it's probably best to make sure that the certification makes sense for investing your time and energy into and it'll actually help to positively position you for that next role with that particular organization. Now, there's been a lot about all the ins and outs of certifications, so the next logical step is to really evaluate whether or not certification is right for you and your career. As with all things I talk about on this podcast, there's no objective absolute answer for what may or may not be what's right for you. So we'll wrap up by going over some of the main considerations you can make as you weigh the pros and cons of certifications for you and how you might go about narrowing down certifications that might be a good fit. Now, the first thing that you should ask yourself when considering certification is what you hope to achieve by earning one. Will it advance your career? Will it make you a better candidate for a target role or a specific employer? Will it give you the confidence you need to better present yourself for future opportunities? Will it help you stand out amongst the crowd of other impressive professionals? For the most part, these are all external factors that you won't have much control over. They largely have to do with the perceptions of others, both organizational and individually, and you can't control that. But you can do your research to best understand the landscape you're getting out to explore. Now, while this may not wholly decide whether or not a certification is right for you, it should at least be a factor as you consider your options. For more intrinsic factors that you actually can control, or at least be more confidently aware of, I found it's important to consider things like the financial and time commitment required and how that fits into the rest of your life. And if you're in a relationship or have a family, how it fits into their lives as well. You should also think about your own proclivity or predisposition to longer term projects and seeing things through to completion and what kind of knowledge or skills that these certifications may help you acquire to move you along your career plan. As with the extrinsic factors, there'll be some research required to make sure that you understand how these things may or may not make sense for you. When it comes to the financial aspect, I highly recommend looking into any options that your current employer may offer. For larger organizations, it's not uncommon for there to be something like tuition reimbursement or tuition assistance programs, which may be more broadly applied to continuing education activities like a certification. This is the point I was talking about gaming the system that I t- uh, from earlier in the episode. To talk a little bit more on that, there's no standard for something like tuition reimbursement. So it's best to inquire with your employer to understand their their policy. Typically, this can be with your HR department. Most of my experience with employers is with tuition reimbursement, which means that you'll fit the bill up front for the certification, and once you provide proof of obtaining the certification, then you can initiate the repayment process. So what this really means is, You need to have the cash to be able to invest in yourself. And as we talked about before, the overall process can take anywhere from a few months to potentially a couple of years. So that's something to weigh when you consider it. Now, all that being said, it's pretty common that if you don't complete the certification or other educational pursuit, then you don't qualify for reimbursement. So don't be lulled into not taking the certification seriously once you get approved for reimbursement. There are also usually limits to what reimbursement will cover. Again, from my experiment uh, experience, it's pretty typical for a program to cover about $5,000 per calendar year for one program, and that $5,000 is tax-free. Then, anything over that $5,000, typically a portion of that gets covered by the employer while you cover the other portion, but whatever's above that $5,000 that the employer does cover, you can be taxed for. All the times I've taken advantage of this kind of thing with an employer, there's always been a very specific course of events that need to take place to truly qualify for the reimbursement. Things like submitting a proposal, getting that proposal approved by a couple layers of management, and then submitting the right documentation at the right time, talking about what courses you're taking, when you're taking them, and then at the end of all of it, what documentation do you need to submit to make sure that you do get reimbursed. Now, those steps are by no means impossible to navigate, but it definitely requires you to do your homework, pay attention, and follow the rules. Now, time is another completely separate thing that you need to consider, and that resource may be more scarce for you than money. So it's important to understand the time required to either take a course, study, and take a test for certification before you jump in. From a work perspective, are you overwhelmed with the tasks of your day job that are going to leave you drained at the end of the day and with little to no time or energy to sit for a course or to study? At home, do you have the free time to allocate to something like extra studying or preparation? So, for example, maybe you've taken on an extra project at work that's going to require late night calls and long weekends. And maybe you're moving to a new house because you have another kid along the way and you need a bigger space. Given all that, in this very hypothetical extreme situation, the stars might not be aligned at this time for you to pursue something like certification. As with all things, though, if a certification doesn't make sense for you now, it doesn't mean that it never will. So if you're doing research, that research uh, that you've done isn't necessarily a waste. You now have a plan that you can reference at a later time when it might make more sense given your circumstances. Another thing to consider is your own personality and strengths that may make a certification more or less sense to you. I've talked about the Clifton Strengths assessment in previous episodes, and that can offer a lot of great insight into your own natural disposition towards certifications. I'll use myself as an example. In case it hasn't been apparent to this point, I love certifications. When I took a look at my strengths, Achiever is my number one strength and Learner is my number two. In other words, I love to feel like I complete something while gaining new knowledge and subject matter expertise. So certifications are kind of my jam. Funny personal story, I didn't know that these were my strengths as I finished my undergraduate degree, and at that point I swore I had reached the end of my educational development. It wasn't long before I found myself renouncing that claim and went back to school for my master's. Now I swore I was done. However, fast forward about three years, and I was up to my ears in practice tests for my first certification exam. At this point, I'd taken the strengths assessment, And connected the dots between my top two strengths and realized that I should probably just resign myself to the fact that I was going to be chasing down certifications probably as long as I live. And since then, I've been on a pretty steady pace for a new certification every couple of years to kind of keep that appetite sated. Now, once I realized that this was part of me, a desire to create a plan and see it through while also learning something new, I could stop kidding myself into thinking that I had reached the end of my certification road and was able to fully embrace it and harness it as a strength. This doesn't mean that if these strengths don't rank among your top, that certifications aren't for you, but it does mean that you can gain some powerful insights on how you may take or that you might take into the certification process. Even if there will be challenges presented through the process based on your own strengths, it doesn't mean you should necessarily shy away. You just need to make sure that you plan accordingly for ways to keep yourself motivated so you don't end up wasting your time or money. Now if you're interested in learning more about the Clifton Strengths Assessment, uh feel free to check out our episode number two. I'll put a link in the show notes, or you can reach out to me directly and we can talk about how you can discover your own strengths. So that about does it. You should now feel like you at least have a framework for how certifications work and how to think about them, what they are, how to figure out if certification is right for you, how to identify certifications that might be a good fit for you and your career, and hopefully some factors to consider for how you might go about planning your foray into the world of certification. As with most topics I've covered in other episodes, there's a fair amount of planning and care that should be taken when thinking about a certification. It's not something that you can probably decide to do on a whim, and even less likely that doing so on a whim would result in the kind of results that you'd want. I hate to say it, but there's not a shortcut here. But really, that's somewhat the point of a certification. It shows that you've accomplished something above and beyond your peer set. If there were a shortcut, then it wouldn't carry the same weight and yield the same kind of hopefully positive results for your career. So how about your experience with certifications? Do you have any tips and tricks of your own in go, how to go about them? Or do you maybe have a dramatically different view on certifications? Do you think they're a waste of time and money and that, that could be better spent elsewhere in advancing your career? I'd love to hear any or all of these points of view. So send those questions or comments to me at patrick at prgscoach.com. And with that, I'll sign off with a certain type of perfection can only be realized through a limitless accumulation of the imperfect. Thanks for listening in, and we'll talk more in our next episode.